morning I'm going to talk just a little bit, not long, about the law of the spirit of life. Last week I talked about God's will according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. The Bible says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will for you from Jesus Christ. You want to know what God's will is? It's rejoicing. How do we rejoice? We wake up in the morning and we say, praise God, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So the Bible tells us that his will is for us to rejoice, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks for everything. Why do we give thanks for everything? Because the Bible says, all things work for good for those who love the Lord. All things. So we can praise God for everything. Because we know that all things are going to work out. In Romans 12, 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then in verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is God's perfect will for you? You bring your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you only do that once. But then you spend the rest of your life knowing that you did it knowing that you said to the Lord, Lord, here I am, take me. All that I have is yours. So what is God's will? God's will is that we present our bodies to him. God's will is that we rejoice, give thanks, and pray without ceasing. So that is God's will. But then God asks us two two things. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Well, what does that mean? It's the philosophy of this life. Do not conform to the philosophy of this life. In other words, God is asking us to rethink your purpose, to rethink your calling, to rethink your relationship with God. Do not be conformed to the philosophies of this world. The philosophies of only getting ahead, getting it before the other person gets it. Do not conform to that. In Romans 7 and 8, the Bible makes three declarations. One, there is a struggle in the Christian life. Two, there is that struggle without condemnation. In other words, The reason for no condemnation, because we are in Christ. God will never condemn anyone who is in Christ Jesus. 
He cannot do it. He will not do it. There's no rejection from God. He does not kick us out of the family when we do something wrong. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell within you, the Bible says. And he will never, never leave you. In fact, the Bible says in First Ephesians, or in Ephesians, I should say, it says that he has sealed us unto the day of redemption. So we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. He sealed us. You cannot break that seal. No man can break that seal. That is God's seal. And he sealed us unto the day of redemption. So, one, we have a struggle. Two, with that struggle, there's no condemnation. And three, Paul is saying that there is a provision that has made our victory possible. It has set us free from the law of sin and death. Well, how did the law of sin and death come to control our race? In Romans 5.12, Therefore, as one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all sinned. So the Bible says it was because of one man, Adam. Now, in Romans 5.15, it says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. So Paul is simply contrasting Two men, Adam and Jesus. You are either in one or the other. The whole human race is somewhere. You are either in Adam, and all of us were in Adam, or you're in Christ. Now, where are you? Well, it's obvious you're in Christ or you wouldn't be here. You're in Christ. You're not in Adam. When you are in Christ, you received the gift of life. The Bible says that you were born again. You're in Adam. You had no control of sin in your life. You had absolutely none. You were born a sinner. You sinned before you even realized what sin was all about. And even when you found out what it was, you still sinned. You were born a sinner. You were born an Adam. And then the Bible says that you had to have life. And when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you received the gift of life. You were born again. Born of the Spirit. Born of God, born again. In the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now just think about that for a moment. In Christ you received wisdom. In Christ, 
you received his righteousness. Right doing, right standing. You have a right standing when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And then the Bible says sanctification. Sanctified means you were set apart for holy use. God set you apart. When you said yes to God, he set you apart. But he did more than that. In Colossians 1.13 it says, He hath delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So here's what happened. What God did is he transferred you out of Adam into Christ. That was a transfer that he did when you said yes to him. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, whether you understood it or not, that's exactly what happened. God the Father took you out of Adam and put you into Christ. So you are in Christ. Your spirit, you received a new human spirit. The spirit that you had before was your human spirit in Adam. And now he gave you a new, he did heart surgery. He took that stony heart out and he replaced it with Christ's heart. And now you have a new you. And when you believe it, when you believe that there is, you are no longer the same, that you are a new creation, that you are born again, born of God, born of the Spirit, when you believe it, not when you've read it, but when you believe it, we are told that we release the spirit of life within us. We release the spirit of life in us when we believe it. Christ is in you, no question. But when you believe it, when you actually believe it, you are releasing the spirit of life. This is why the message of our identity in Christ is so important. It's much more than just being forgiven, for forgiveness of sin, and now I am saved. It's much more than that. You have been transferred from Adam into Christ. You are a new you, whether you understood it or not. That's exactly what has happened to you. You are a new you. But you say to me, well, I don't always act like it. I, I didn't say that you would. I said that you are a new you. Now, look what we're told now. In many churches across the country today, and they're well-meaning Christians, you hear that you need more of God. You're told that you should hunger after God, that you should thirst more for Jesus. They tell us that we need to die daily. Kill yourself. That's what they, Bible, they say the Bible says. And it all sounds spiritual, doesn't it? It all sounds really spiritual, that you hunger after God, that you thirst for more of Jesus in your life. But it sounds like there might be something missing too. 
that's causing you to hunger and thirst. It sounds like you need some type of program. And the Christian church has provided thousands of programs for you to get closer to God. I don't know how that works when Christ is already living in you, but they say that you need to get closer to God. You need to hunger and thirst after God. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be full of God. And all the while, Jesus announces just the opposite. Just the opposite in John 3, 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Believe it because it's true. You have today, you have right now, all the Jesus you'll ever need in your life. And you have it right now. In 2 Peter 1, 3, according, to, according as his divine power has given unto us all things. How much? The Bible says all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You're looking for godliness. You have it all right now. It's right there. It's right now. God just wants you to believe it. He wants you to believe it because it will transform your way of living. If you actually believe it, it will transform it. The bottom line, the very bottom line of everything, according to the Bible, there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with you. You are exactly what God wants. Christ is living in you. You are living in Christ. You are, that's why the Bible says that you are perfect forever. It doesn't say that you're going to act perfect. You are perfect forever, the Bible says in Hebrews. The Bible says that you are complete in Christ. You are. Spiritually, you are complete. That's why when people get to 1 John, they, they look at it and they say, how can this be? Because 1 John tells us that we will not sin. And 1 John is absolutely correct. Spiritually, it's impossible for you to sin. Spiritually. You have been given a new heart. A new heart. It's a new you. You don't want to sin. Do you sin? Yes. Your body does. But do you spiritually? No. No, you don't. The struggle is with your flesh. It's that power of sin that dwells within you. And Paul went through exactly the same thing that every one of us go through almost every day of our life. Paul says, I don't understand it. I'm doing things that I really don't want to do. You see, spiritually... Paul's heart was perfect. It didn't sin. He didn't want to sin. You and I don't want to sin. 
We really don't want to. Not spiritually. We don't want to. But from our flesh, where sin dwells, the power of sin. Listen, that power is so great. I can remember sometimes I'll be in church. Sometimes I'll just be home listening to some gospel music, and all of a sudden a thought will race through my mind. I think, how did that come? How did that get there? I was thinking about Jesus. I was thinking about other things. And how did that bad thought get through my mind? And Paul says it's because of the power. The power that drives sin is in your body. And that's why Jesus says, when I come again, I will bring you a new body to match that already perfect heart. Listen, you have a perfect heart now. That's not going to change. The only thing that will change is your body. You'll receive a new body. And that's why the Bible says very plainly that sin is in the body. It's not you. It's really not you. But Paul says there's a provision that will help you get through life. It'll help you deal with sin. But what do we hear today? We hear that you have to make Christ first in your life. You have to make Christ first over your wife, over your husband. Christ needs to be first. They say that you need to put Christ first in everything. And now they have all sorts of programs to teach you how to put Christ first. And I have to confess, even as a pastor, I have fallen into that trap. And so I can remember years ago, I was a young preacher, and I thought, I want to be everything that God wants me to be. I want to put God first in my life. And so I would get up, I set the alarm clock early. I'd get up and I'd give God my first hour in Bible study, my second hour in prayer. And then I thought, all right, now, now I put God first. And then I have the rest of the day to deal with life. But let me tell you, that is wrong, wrong, and wrong. If you're a born-again believer in Christ, Christ is already first in your life. Christ is already first. There's no need for you to go through any exercise of putting Christ first. Christ is first in your life. Christ is your life. Christ dwells within you. He not only dwells within you, he lives through you. He lives through you. So Christ is first in your life. Christ is first in everything. Listen, when you meet the needs of your husband or your wife, you're putting Christ first. When you teach your children's in the, children in the ways of the, of the Lord, you're putting Christ first. When you go to your employer and you give him a good day's work, you're putting Christ first. You put Christ first in everything that you do. Whether you're working in the guard doesn't make any difference. Christ will always be first in your life. 
You don't have to put him there. He is there. He's first in your life. Christ is your life. Christ is your new identity. Before you were what you thought when you came to Christ, you received salvation. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Listen, you're much more than that. You're no longer a sinner saved by grace. Your new identity is you are a child of the living God. You are God's child. And you will always be, no matter what actions, no matter what you do, you are his child and you always will be. Christ living in you and through you. It works in everything that you do. It works the way you greet the individual at the store. It works the way you treat your neighbor. When you treat your neighbor kindly, you are putting Christ first. It's not studying and prayer and what we think we dream up some sort of a program on how to put Christ first. No, Christ is first in everything. He is your life. Christ living in you and through you. And you have a witness to it. And the witness is you. Because you know deep down inside that you have a good heart. You have a good heart only because of one reason God put it there. You are no longer in Adam. You are in Christ. You are in the best possible position you could ever be in your life right now. You're in the best place right now. You're in Christ. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are first in our life. And I know that we don't always act like it. But I know that it's true. I know that you gave each one of us a new heart. We have the heart of Christ living in us. Living through us. And we praise you and we rejoice and we thank you for it. And I just pray, Father, that you'll continue not only to meet the needs that each one of us have, but we feel like like the man in the Bible who said, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I pray that you will help each one of us right now to believe what you say is true, what you've said about us individually, that we are perfect forever, that we are complete. We are everything that you wanted us to be. And we praise you and thank you for that. Bless us now, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.